Insert gay card. I'm feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Wish I knew how queens. Susan, I'm gay. You can't love yourself. How in the hell are you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Gay card revoked. Hi, I'm Robbie Roselle. My pronouns are he, him. And I'm Rob Schneider, and my pronouns are he, him. And welcome to... Gay Card Revoked. That we took have... you a little by surprise. That You know, it did. I wasn't prepared. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here now. Hello, I'm here now. Up. I'm here. I was making a note. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I got... So, I, Robbie, Robbie caught me off guard, uh, which was exciting. And maybe we caught you off guard because you're like, hey, they still do this podcast? Uh, a new episode popped up for you. Congratulations, what a dream. folks. What, what a, a dream. dream. Boy, you lucked out today, didn't you? We we were just talking about uh, the, the big news in gay culture. Yeah. Which it is, is. It's shockingly big news, I think. Beanie Feldstein is, is going to be the next Fanny Bryce. We have not had a funny girl revival ever. Ever. Uh, because the not question over is, here. is who could fill Miss Streisand's shoes? And, and we actually talked about it. Yes. On our Funny Girl episode with Jordan Matthew Brown. We did. We did. And, and this name never came up. This name did not come up. And I, don't, I would not have thought about this in a million years. And I think what I had said on the, on the podcast was, and I'm, I hope I'm wrong, is that I feel like there will have to be a Funny Girl revival that goes out, does okay, and then there'll be another one that people will appreciate. Because this is hard. These are, these are big shoes to fill. Beanie Feldstein has big shoes to fill. It's the titular role. It is the titular role. Um, I forgot to mention some really exciting things that are happening for both of us. Yes, um, you have you, something yeah, you, huge. Who, who, who wants to talk first? Uh, you, because I can barely say anything about mine, except That's... to say hold November 29th at 7 p.m. You hear that, folks? Hold November 29th at 7 p.m. Yep. Because something special is happening. Uh, for Mr. Roselle, and really for all of us. Yeah. But uh, this is a very exciting thing, and I can't wait for you to announce it. When will you be able to announce it? Uh, when I get a contract. Okay, great. Awesome. <laughs> so, so, folks, get ready. November 29th, 7 o'clock, you said? Save the yeah. date. It's, it's like a wedding. Save the big. date. It is uh, a big one. It is, it is like a, a big one. Without it is a big though. one. Um, but but you... Tell everybody why. Tell everybody why we've been on a semi-hiatus. Wait, can we go back and talk about why oh, there's no what? cake? Yeah, I don't know. You said there's no cake at this event? No, what I'm saying is doing something like this is a lot like planning a wedding because it's a lot of money and it's for like 150 people. But unfortunately, unlike a wedding, I don't get cake at the end of it. Well, maybe I'll bring cake for you. Maybe I'll bring a Baskin. If you loved me. Can can I bring you a Baskin Robbins clown cake? Honestly, if it's not a fudgy the whale from Carvel, why are we even doing this? <laughs> why I, I just to delete my number if, I, yeah. if it's not a fudgy the whale. Jesus. So folks, November 29th, seven o'clock, send fudgy the whales to Robbie Rizel. Yeah, I'd love to fill Courtesy up that of Robert Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rob, tell everybody yes. why we've been on a semi-hiatus. Yes. Well, my friends, um, you know me. I love a podcast. And uh, I am starting. A, I'm starting a new podcast. Your seventy fifth. Uh, my seventy fifth podcast. <laughs> it's called One More, and there's a trombone. It'll be on <laughs> Apple. <laughs> It'll be on Apple iTunes. Uh, no, I'm so excited about this. Um, as I, hopefully you can tell from this podcast, I'm a huge fan of history, and I'm a huge fan of pop culture. And I'm starting a new podcast that launches September seventh, and it's called This Was a Thing. This was a thing, and every episode is going to be a comical deep dive into a trend from yesteryear. So, for example, our first episode is going to be about the history of Jazzercise. Every episode has uh, sketches. Every episode has a game component, and Wait. every episode has original music. There are sketches. I was not invited. Oh, to there be are a sketch sketches. Artist. There are sketches. <laughs> I'm a Broadway World Award nominee. You can totally follow it on Instagram at This Was a Thing Pod. Um, you can follow it on Twitter at underscore This Was a Thing Pod, or you can join us on Facebook at This Was a Thing Podcast. I love that. Thanks. I, I it's it's been so much fun. So anyway, the reason that we've been gone is my co-host and I recorded all fifty-two episodes for an entire year 
Um, and so we were busy doing that. And so I, what you're saying is you will have content for them, unlike us. Uh, well, we are a special occasion. We, I call us the leap year of podcasting. <laughs> the Brigadoon, if the, you will. The Schmigadoon, the Haley's but Comet. Speaking of special occasions. Yes. Let's, what, what special occasion are we celebrating with today's podcast? We're celebrating the one and only fantastic Drop Dead Gorgeous. I love this movie so much. This movie, boy, oh boy. First of all, I just, I would like to reiterate this again. And if you've never read this book, please pick up a copy. Drop Dead Gorgeous came out in the year 1999, mm-hmm. which is probably one of the greatest years in movie history. And there's a fantastic book called The Best Movie Year Ever. And it's all about all the films that came out in 1999. You gave me this book and it I, sits on my nightstand. It actually sits under your wobbly coffee table. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. This is a book I read. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Um, The Bible. The Bible, on the other hand. It's a very lopsided coffee table. Right. And this this is a movie I feel... First of all, I love it as much as as you do. I am so late to the Drop Dead Gorgeous party. Oh. I did not see it when it first came out originally. And I only caught it, like, I think for the first time about 15 years ago did not play in our town uh because this movie was a bomb if if you want to write a thesis folks if you're if if we have any academics out there i would love for you to write a thesis on how both drop dead gorgeous and the comeback season Mm -hmm. one were way ahead of its time way ahead of it um i do also want to point out that a lot of my research for today comes from uh an article that lewis peitzman wrote for buzzfeed uh, celebrating the 15th anniversary that it's a long form interview with so many people attached to it. Uh, it's just, it's called Jesus loves winners. How dropped it. Gorgeous found a cult success as a flop. This movie. Tell I everybody mean, what this movie's about. It's about 90 minutes of pure and absolute genius and brilliance. I hate you so much. <laughs> that's, that's what this movie is about. I mean, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know what else to say. Uh, folks, if you've never seen the movie, first of all, what are you doing with what, your what life? Are you, what are you doing with your life? It took me such a long time to do it. It's a mockumentary about a small town beauty pageant. Well, and and the, what is the name of the small town? Uh, Mount Rose, Minnesota. <laughs> Did I do it right? Mount Rose, Minnesota. And I, but- I, I'm going to, I'm going to say this and it makes, somebody was posted something yesterday and they were like, who would be a gay icon if they weren't like who they are as a person? Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley. Mm-hmm. And it makes me so sad that she's, mm-hmm. that she's got such interesting viewpoints because you know, she'd be a fucking gay icon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, but first of all, I'm going to say it and I, and I, I am talking about her artistry i'm not talking about her politics how she did not get an oscar nomination for this movie Mm -hmm. i swear to you is absolutely beyond me because she leaned in she said okay got it she's a really i i know folks i know but she is a brilliant comic actress yeah i think for this uh for this discussion we are very much separating the artists absolutely so the the, so it's about a small town beauty pageant in mount rose minnesota and it's a mockumentary which was not really popular at this time so remember folks we don't it's this is pre-office and the only film mockumentaries we really had at this time was waiting for guffman a few years earlier mm-hmm. and um, and spinal uh, tap spinal tap a few but, years before that yeah and but it wasn't its own genre as it is now no now it's everywhere i mean mm-hmm. a- every television show seems to be like a mockumentary yeah you, you have things like documentary now on ifc you have so much of the and the reality the modern shows, family modern family but the the reality shows are so prevalent this was before all of that so i think people did not know how to react so, yes. Yeah, so once again, it's the story of a beauty pageant in Mount Rose, Minnesota, a very small town beauty pageant and the lengths anyone will go to to uh, win this beauty pageant. It also features an incredible cast of comic actresses. We have Kirsten Dunst. We have Denise Richards. We have Ellen Barkin. We have Allison Janney. We have Kirstie Alley. We have Mindy Sterling. We have Brittany Murphy. We have Amy Adams. It just goes on and on and on. It is such a brilliant cast of ladies. And they are supported by some great guys. Oh, yeah, like, of course. Sam McMurray 
as Don't Jew Me Down is <laughs> says, yep. still, is mm-hmm. still one of my favorite things. I am a Jew and I laugh, so I think it's okay. Um, the great Matt Michael, Malloy. Matt Malloy, the great Michael McShane, mm-hmm. um, Will Sasso. Who is problematic, <laughs> but funny as hell. It's so, folks, we're looking at this from a very specific lens. And that mm-hmm. lens is the late 90s, early 2000s. Yes. Uh, yes, obviously today you would go, what the hell is he doing? But back then, he was very funny. Allison Janney says she gets recognized for this more than anything else in her career. Can I tell you a story? I would love to hear a story. I attended the Tony Awards one year and went to the party after that was at the Marriott Marquis. Uh-huh. That's where the ball was. And Allison Janney was there. And you better believe I got a photo with her and said, I love Drop Dead Gorgeous so much. And she said, oh, best damn tapper, the most smartest. <gasps> she did the line for you? Yes, I fell over. I'm, I still haven't recovered. <laughs> it was the best day of my life. And my husband has never hated me more than he did in the moments that I sent him a text saying that. <laughs> and it's true. Robbie has never recovered. Robbie has been immobile since that performance. Robbie's I can only move my mouth. <laughs> and tap. <laughs> yeah. And tap. Well, and just and Right. <laughs> um, okay. So we should also talk about, it's it, the, one of the cool things about this, it's very Shakespearean in tone because it's, it's two families, two kingdoms oh. going after each other. <laughs> yep. It's very much like the rich and the trailer park. Yes. Oh, I need to talk before we even go into that. I need to talk about Kirsten Dunst because Kirsten Dunst is the only person who does not know what kind of movie she is in. And that's what makes her even funnier <laughs> because she is just seriously acting this film. Oh, yes. And it works. Yeah. 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 But like Denise Richards leaned heavily in, right? Kirstie Alley leaned heavily. Every other human leaned heavily in. uh, And uh, Kirsten Dunst is just the straight person who does not realize that she is in a full satire. No, and there's something so brilliant. Did they interview her in this oral history thing? Uh, No, she she and Amy Adams are the two people who are not available for comments. Oh, I'm so, excuse me, not available for comment. Yeah. Come on, Kristen and Amy. This was Amy Adams' film debut, right? Uh, this was Amy Adams' film debut. Five-time Oscar Award nominee. <laughs> Amy, Amy Adams. Adams. Okay. Mm-hmm. So once again, Go monkeys. Just, just go. <laughs> so, so like we said, it's about two houses divided. It's about two <laughs> families against each other. It's the Lehman family um, mm-hmm. with uh, Lester and Gladys, played by the brilliant Sam McMurray. Mm-hmm. And can I, can I tell you a story really quickly? Please. So I used to run a children's theater company out in Los Angeles. Oh, it gets even better. Jesus. And um, one of the shows that we did with the children is City of Angels. And oh. folks, if you don't know City of Angels, it's a sexy film noir. Yeah, and, that feels uh, right for children. Which feels great with kids. Oh my God, and the cast was amazing, by the way. Um, and we had a 28-piece orchestra. Anyway, there was a woman in it who played like the femme fatale named Hannah McMurray. And she was a genius, just an absolute genius. And one day after the performance, she's like, oh, I want you to meet my family. And standing in front of me was Lester Lehman. Sam McMurray was her dad. Did you say don't chew me down? I yeah. love him. Uh, so Sam McMurray and Christy Alley are Lester and Gladys Lehman. Yeah. And their daughter is Rebecca, Rebecca Ann Lehman. Lehman, played is- by the incredible Denise Richards, sans Den- accent. Sans accent. <laughs> Accent. So they're the like you were saying they were the they're the rich family, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then on from the other side of the tracks, <laughs> truly, literally, mm-hmm. is uh, the Atkins family. Yeah. That's Annette Atkins and her daughter Amber. Annette's mm-hmm. played by the incredible Ellen Barkin, and Amber, of course, is played by the greatest actress of all time, Kirsten Dunst, the serious, serious, serious Kirsten Dunst, and uh, their neighbor. Yep. Best friend. <laughs> Their neighbor, the best friend, is who? Loretta, played by the jackal herself, Allison <laughs> Janney. Do you? I don't know if they said this in the interview. Do these people say that they had fun making this movie? Because yes, it so looks the cast, like they're. Ha- so the cast had a great time. Apparently, the writer. So the writer and director were both new. This was both their first thing. Lana, 
Lona Williams, who Lona the Williams, writer, who and Michael plays, Patrick Jan was the Lona director. Williams also plays the third judge on the panel, who is a non-speaking role. And uh, Michael Patrick role. Jan or Jan, I'm unclear, J-A-N-N. Uh, for the purposes of this podcast, will for uh, forever be known as Jan. Um, <laughs> they did not get along. Uh, Michael was 26 when he made this film and says, I could have been nicer. And uh, Lona says, I did not care for him. So, oh, the director and writer did not like one another. They did not like each other at all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Creative uh, differences. Yeah. And it was produced by Gavin Pallone and Judy Hufflin. Just putting that out there who's gavin is like a big deal now in the hollywoods i love that so it was like so many people's first big thing right and uh, for for these two absolutely yeah these two and like a lot of this cast really at this time outside of like the the adults the younger people the only person who was known was uh was um Brittany Murphy? Uh, Brittany Murphy because of Clueless. Denise Richards wasn't even really known yet. Yeah. Uh, and- because she would be nuclear physicist Christmas Jones. Because when you think of nuclear physics, you think of Denise, Denise Richards. Absolutely. Now, Kristen Dunst had done Dick oh, at this time? Yeah. She, she had also done Interview with a Vampire. Oh, she an Interview was with a Vampire. child actor. And Dick might have been around this time. She was, I think, sort of rebranding herself as like a... A grown-up, yeah. Because Interview with a Vampire was 94. Yeah, and then Spider-Man's coming out a couple of years after this. 2001-ish. Yeah, okay. She was like, and Bring It On was like right after this. So she was sort of um, rebranding herself as an adult. And Ellen Barkin, and correct me if I'm wrong, people, Ellen Barkin really at this time also wasn't known for comedy. No, She was, you know, this femme fatale type character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was in a member of the Al Pacino movie, Sea of Love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she, yeah. she, she was also not known, I think, for her comic performances. So she, I think she had done like Diner and Tender Mercies. Oh, with Betty Buckley. Yeah. So <laughs> he got so excited. Oh, with Betty Buckley. <laughs> I just remembered that. Uh, but yeah, you're right. She was not known for comedy yet. And I think this is sort of what pushed her into that. And, also, for, for Kirstie Alley, if you remember her from Cheers, she played this very sophisticated, mm-hmm. very intelligent yeah. uh, businesswoman. So to watch her then come in and play sophisticated-esque big fish in this tiny, tiny pond. Yes, yes. And I, and I think that people probably just did not know what to do, mm-hmm. these people at this time. Also, yeah. the other thing you have to remember is... You think of teen comedies in this era. Yeah. They're all very plastic. Mm-hmm. They're all very clear. Boy, you know, boy meets girl. Girl will change herself for the boy. Yeah. Right. I mean, think, was it like 10 things I hate about you? What else was at, you know, in, the, oh, in this uh, time period? In 99. And Clueless. Or, or, I mean, even in the 90s, like we right. can even say something like Clueless. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this movie comes out yeah. and you know, oh, it's got Kristen Dunst and it's got, um, you know, uh, Brittany Murphy. Right. I think it's going to be shiny and plastic, shiny and plastic and vapid. And there's, and they're going to fight over a boy. And at the, and this movie says, no, fuck all of that. Right. Fuck all of that. It's it, we're going to take all of this and we're going to turn it on its head. So I think people at this time had no idea how to react to this film because they didn't have any sort of like transition into Mm -hmm. it. But You're absolutely I, right. But I think Drop Dead Gorgeous walked so the office could run. Oh. I think That's I, I, That's I, bold. I, thank you. But I, th- but I, th- I think that these types of movies, some, especially something like Drop Dead Gorgeous, was able to, to facilitate all of the other sort of media that we see today where it's all this mockumentary style. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. It's also fascinating that there was a soundtrack released for the film that had a lot of dialogue. Oh, uh, interspersed twenty three tracks, but um, uh, it literally starts with on about four hundred calories a day, <laughs> and like keeps going through. You know, like so there'll be two or three songs and then more dialogue, just cut and interspice like they they were really leaning into like the dark humor of this 
And this movie, speaking of the dialogue, this movie feels improvised, but mm-hmm. it isn't. No. The only person who was given truly any sort of room, like wiggle room, was Mindy Serling because she's from the Groundlings. So she would be told, do this. Now try it this way. Now do something you feel like doing. This movie is filled with quotable lines. Yeah. I must ask you, Mr. Rizal, do you have any favorites? Jesus Christ. Yes, I do. Um, this is the most quoted film in uh, in my household. Mm-hmm. Um, I say once a carny, always a carny, all the time. Uh, <laughs> because it's so stupid. Airport Hojo, we get a lot. Do you think a nice gold man would help if I shoved your head up your ass? This one ain't my baby. Uh, Ludafisk. That woman, I quote, we were at war with the Japs. Couldn't even keep my damn tiara. Had to sell it off for scrap. Oh, I just love St. Paul pork products. In fact, I like it so much, I work here now. My, one of my personal favorites is, oh, yeah, you know, guys get out of Mount Rose all the time on hockey scholarships or prison. Or prison. <laughs> or prison. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm really nervous. It's been a two months i haven't told my boyfriend yet how did you know oh you you mean the pageant yeah yeah (laughs) so and did you know this film had an alternate ending no tell me about the alternate ending so the shooter um one kirstie alley's character um commits suicide in prison and it just cuts from swinging feet down to a still lit cigarette in an ashtray and then this I know. And then the shooter is Iris, the librarian lady, who's just had enough and it takes a turn. And audiences hated it. So they reshot it with a uh, get out here, your little trailer park trash. Insane. I, I like the reshoot. Uh, yes. Also, honestly, anything Loretta says in the entire film, <laughs> all of it. It's also, so funny. How did fucking Allison Janney not get an Oscar nomination uh, for this? Right? Well, she won one later, but come on. <laughs> but listen, come on. She was great in that fucking movie, I Tanya, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, like yeah, Claudius. I but wow. <laughs> I, <laughs> but let's give it to her for this. Once a carny, always a carny. Once a carny, always a carny. You Mom <laughs> still gets sad whenever she sees a guy in a tube top. Can, yeah. can, can you drive me home? <laughs> she lives down the road. <laughs> So it'll be real easy. <laughs> so good. I also go, uh, Loretta called. There's been a fire. And just the way that guy who runs the funeral home like really punches the words a fire. It's so bizarre. How, how did they get every I now I'm gonna say this no. and I and I I I think this is brilliant about this film. And as a director, I'm so curious. Uh-huh. How did they get all of these people in the same world? I I don't know. I, and as a I, first time director. It's a first time director. This is uh-huh. a bizarre fucking world. Like, how did they get everyone on the same page? Oh, shit. I just remember take down the goddamn Frida sign, you lazy sons of bitches. <laughs> yeah, she was the oldest living Lutheran. Now she's dead as a doornail. Okay, so, okay, so we know, yep. we know that this film. Yes. Let me, wait, hold on. Let me ask you a question really quickly. Um, you get to go out to lunch with one of these women. Oh, Jesus. The character, not the actress, the uh-huh. character. Who do you want to yeah. go to lunch with? Loretta. She'd be a good time. Oh, Loretta. Why, why do I think Becky will win? You're talking about the richest family in a small town. It's front page news and one of them takes a shit. Ow. Quit pitching. <laughs> okay. Tapper, most smartest. Like we tri- There's so many lines we could hit. So the movie comes out, mm-hmm. it gets really, I mean, it doesn't get, it's not like a terrible a reviews. Rotten yeah. Tomatoes currently holds it at a uh, 46% on the Wrong. tomato meter Wrong. and 75% audience score. These are, these are people that don't have a sense of humor. Or um, life. Entertainment Weekly, I think, gave it a D. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Ebert of Siskel and Ebert said it was probably funny on paper. <laughs> Thank you, Roger. Wow. That's intense. One of my my favorite things is, uh, have you ever seen Siskel and Ebert's review of Showgirls, where they're both talking about how unattractive they find Elizabeth Berkley? And I'm like, like, of all the fucking people to talk about 
<laughs> like, thank you, yeah. Gene Siskel, right? for telling us what aesthetic beauty should look what like. A, you are the gift. Thrust it, thrust it, thrust it. So the movie, so the movie gets horrible reviews. Like mm-hmm. you said, you wanted to see it, but it wasn't playing anywhere. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then for some reason, this film re- takes, re- off. takes off and becomes a cult classic. Mm-hmm. However, nobody at the time gave it a good review. No. And now today, like you said, we can quote this movie all day because this dialogue is so incredible. The performances are magnificent and the direction is spot on. Mm -hmm. So what caused this to come back into the public consciousness? Uh, Honestly, probably the $5 bin at Walmart. Absolutely. Because there was that, that, you know, bare bones DVD release. And this was a time when everybody was buying DVDs and you would get high probably and like wander Walmart and just see that. And that, that pink with the smoking gun. Yes. And it looked, it kind of, the aesthetic of the, of the poster mm-hmm. for the DVD release kind of yeah. looked like it was playing into those late nineties, early two thousands teen comedies. Yeah. So you probably thought, Oh, it's going to be like 10 things I hate about you. Yeah. Or she's the man. Right. And, and I also think it was, it was a word of mouth film specifically with gay men. So it's, it's it's like what YouTube is today. Like, have you seen this clip? Oh my God, you have to see so and so singing such and such. At that time, it was. Have you ever seen this movie? Let's put it on. So, why is this film so popular within the gay community? It is wildly quotable. Wildly quotable. You think? I, yeah. What like what is the last film that has been this quotable that you can think of? Honestly, we love campy arts dialogue. Like the the community loves campy arts dialogue. If you think about um, like Mommy Dearest, which is wildly yes. quotable, or Valley of the Dolls, which is wildly quotable, um, because the quotes are so funny, but built into such premises that you're like, what is happening? But it's so funny. It doesn't matter. And here's the thing. While Mommy Dearest is not a good movie, uh, it is widely quotable. This is a very good movie. Yes. You're engaged in the characters. Mm-hmm. You, the movie immediately tells you, hey, this is the tone that we're taking for yeah. it. And you become invested in who is going to win this competition. Yes. And they are dying off one by one in the craziest of ways. Oh, yes. Which I think also... Um, I think Waiting for Guffman has also in it really well, which is yeah. you genuinely want to see these people succeed. succeed. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with um, Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is you genuinely want to see this woman win this competition. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of mockumentaries after that mm-hmm. latched onto that concept. It was just, let's just make fun of these people yes. and let's make fun of this world as opposed to Drop Dead Gorgeous, Waiting for Guffman, and I'm going to put the comeback in there, mm-hmm. where the character has a heart. Yes. And that, I think, is something that also makes this one a little bit more, gravi- like we gravitate towards it more. The other thing is every single scene in this movie, every scene has at least one dot line of dialogue that's eminently quotable. And Wild. I think one of the other things that appeals to the gay community about this film is, at the end of the day, it's a drag competition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it's you're absolutely right. You, oh God, and we haven't even talked about last year's winner yet. <laughs> Do we want to tell us a little bit about? <laughs> oh my God, I love her. It's so dark. So last year's winner. Much. So Alexandra uh, Holden plays Mary Johan uh, Johansson, who won last year and is now hospitalized in the anorexia ward which is something you see on an establishing shot outside the hospital one way is emergency room the other way says burn unit and anorexia ward and we end up in both um and she she is just gasping for breath but smiling through the whole thing on about 400 calories a day. I was ready. And then in the pageant, we see her (laughs) 
doing her talent from last year while she's pushed around in her hospital wheelchair. Uh, she is lip syncing to Don't Cry Out Loud. <laughs> and it is so funny. Uh, also, we should say uh, Broadway's Jerry Mitchell choreographed this film. Oh, did he really? Yes. Oh, I didn't so know I know. Oh, we should have asked him to be a guest. I'm literally, I'm sorry. I'm crying right? laughing. <laughs> and if you should fall, and her arm just slumps, is so good. It's if you should fall. I the, the use of music in this thing it's between brilliant. that and through the eyes of love. Uh-huh. Melissa Man. Like <laughs> and uh the the uh you're gonna make it after all. Oh my god. That like closes the show, Love is All Around. Uh, the that closes the film. Yeah. It but sung by Joan Jett. It's genius. Come on. Come on. Now, let me ask you this, uh, yes. if I may. So, yes, we're, we're discussing the fact that it, it, that's, it's a drag competition at the end of the day. Uh-huh. Yes, you're absolutely right. What got a big f- ass then. She's got a big ass now. What is your favorite talent competition? Oh, fuck. It's so hard because there's, like, the, there's the tap that is definitely not <laughs> Kirsten Dunst. Yes, that's okay. It's okay, Kirsten. All shot from the back, Richard Gere. Um, <laughs> how dare um, you Chicago I will um, but I did enjoy like watching her fake tap her way like as she's putting makeup on dead people and also just on the side of the road walking home uh, it was oh. good for me so there's the tap there's the can't take my eyes off of you oh there's, that's my favorite there's soy the greenest people there's dog howls I we haven't even ta- touched on this person yet. Who is Dog Howells? Uh, Janelle Betts. Oh no, uh, through the eyes of love is is the deaf one because uh, <laughs> she's I'll be singing and signing uh, and doing interpretive dance to through the eyes of love. Yeah, and like she just loves deaf people, uh, and uh, a light falls on her and hits her, making her deaf and she's never been happier insane i I, did you know i forgot to tell you because i i think this is so but when you know her too no when (laughs) her daughter no uh denise richards when she does the dancing with jesus scene Uh uh-huh did you know because they filmed it in minnesota do you know that extras walked out no they didn't know what it was they didn't know and they were very offended that she was dancing with jesus that's (laughs) and so they walked out of the filming incredible that is fucking incredible. Um, so there's there's the acting. There oh, there's also the um, Asian American who is line dancing with a uh, with like rootin' tootin' guns. That's insane. They're all the. I would say can't take my eyes off of you is probably my favorite of them. But my, I just had to get through them all because there's so many there's wonderful so good. ones. And of course, there's also some brilliant costume work like the oh, Mount Rushmore God. head misunderstood the assignment <laughs> jesus and it looks you know i have to give shout outs to the prop and costume department because they're able to make it funny without like going off the deep end right it doesn't look like a saturday Night live parody no and if you look at like her mount rushmore hat it looks like something you would see in a competition and that it's funny but it's not over the top they're all drawn in broad strokes, but then they are detailed in like with like pinpoint precision, yes. which is fascinating because like Amy Adams plays the sexaholic. Yes. Right. And really leans into it because her hat is fucking the Washington Monument, which she basically like jerks Still off. Though. Right. Yes. But it is it is so nuanced within that. It's ah, it's so good. It's so good. You know, I'm so curious, and maybe you have an answer for this. You know, in this day and age, mm-hmm. there are so many movies that we loved that are now being looked at as problematic. Yes. However, Drop Dead Gorgeous to me mm-hmm. seems like such a candidate for people going, this is so problematic. From yes. Kirstie Alley mm-hmm. to um, Will Sasso, ta- Will Sasso to mm-hmm. the talent competition. Oh the, yeah, I mean, but for some reason, this film 
is never looked at now as, oh, you shouldn't watch that or, um, you know, oh, you're woke, you can't see this. So why is it that this film gets a free pass, but other films do not? That's a great question. And I think it's possible it's because people don't know about it. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, and it is so beloved by gay men passing it down over and over that it's just, it's can't. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes, exactly. But I find, I just, that was one of the things, and listeners, if you have an opinion on this, I'm so curious because I feel like there's so many things now that we go, oh my God, you know, you can't, this isn't funny. And, you know, we have to do this and we're going to do this. And right. this, and this movie I think a lot of people now know about it and a lot of people, they give it a free pass, which I'm totally fine with. I find this is very much is the cards against humanity of films. Yes. Yes. You're laughing at their ignorance. Right. And maybe that's what gives it a free pass. Yes. This is one of these movies where if you've never seen it before, stop the podcast. So why are you listening? No, I feel like every scene you go, are you kidding me? Yeah. Is this really happening? Like the mind of the writer who thought of this to come up. And I will say, I think the movie builds beautifully. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, after each scene, you're like, this can't get any crazier. Right. Starts with that very small, you know, VHS. Yeah. VHS of Adam West oh, saying, God. hey, right. Celebrities. Yeah. It's so perfect. And to mm-hmm. get him to do it, like it's. The, the movie is absolute perfection. You know, I think yes. one of the things, because we both work in the theater, I think one of the things that comes up all the time is, is like, why isn't this a musical? And I have to be honest with you. I never want to see this as a musical. No, I don't. it shouldn't be. This movie is so perfect. And I think I'm going to, I think if you were to put anybody else in it, yeah, it, it would be like a, a game of Jenga where like you've removed one thing and everything's going to topple now yeah. because of it. These actresses are absolute perfection in this film and action this the time that the director spends with each scene the, i never feel like the joke is getting old i never feel like we're lingering too long in a scene I, to me it's a perfect yeah. example of less is more this film also did you know uh spawned gilmore girls how the producer uh of the film Pallone, uh, was intrigued by the complicated mother-daughter relationships and wanted to do a TV series and pitched it to Amy Sherman Palladino. Really? Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, I love that. Isn't that wild? That makes me so happy to hear. Yeah. Thank you, Gilmore Girls. And I'm sorry, I have to get on my soapbox and then Go I'll ahead. get off it, I promise. Mm-hmm. It drives me crazy that the Academy Awards do not honor comic performances. Yeah. Comedy is 10 times harder than throwing yourself against the wall and crying. No offense to, to, to any of those people that win awards for doing that. No name shall be mentioned. Right. But the fact that, and I will say, yes, I will say it again. Kirstie Alley's performance in this is so damn good. Yeah. How did she not get an Oscar nomination? It's perfect. It just is. I don't know what else to say. And Allison Janney also is fantastic, but I am so sick and tired of the Academy not recognizing comic performances. Yeah, I agree with you. I, Tiffany Haddish should have got one for Girls Trip. I think more of the women should have been nominated for Bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Steve Carell, I think, should have gotten an Oscar nomination for 40-Year-Old Virgin. I just do not understand. I don't understand. I'm right there with you. Sorry. I I just think it's 10 times harder, and I don't know why the Academy doesn't recognize that. As you were talking about this, uh, I started to think about Marissa Tomei and the fact that she would have been excellent in this movie. Oh, my God. And Marissa Tomei, also one of those rare people that actually won an Academy Award Mm -hmm. for a comic performance in My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. But also, that that is so rare. But Marissa Tomei would have been great. I know they looked at Goldie Hawn. They uh, did. And Sigourney Weaver. Right. And I, and I mean, they would have been, they would have been great. But I Wrong feel. tone. But just a, di- that's a different movie. Right. A, a different tone. It's a different tone. There's something about Ellen Barkin and there's mm-hmm. something about um, Kirstie Alley. 
that yeah. you actually, I'm going to be honest with you. If I saw this movie and I'm like, I'm supposed to believe that Goldie Hawn and Sigourney Weaver live in Mount Rose, Minnesota, I would never have believed it in a million years. But you look at Ellen Barkin and you look at Christy Ellen, you're like, yeah, I get it. That that's makes a sense. lived in performance. That's also, a lived in performance. Yes. Mindy Sterling. That's a lived in performance. Frau Fabissina from yes. the Austin Powers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And she's also great as, as, uh, and Nora perfect. Dunn's in it. And, yeah. and act, a con- oh, and we didn't even talk about like Mo Gaffney. Mo Gaffney, one of your favorites. One of my favorites. We need to talk about the Kathleen Mo show. I know, point. I know, because that's also a good one. Oh, and no, I mean, Nora Dunn is hysterical. Jan Hooks also would have been great in this movie. Oh, yes. If or they Melanie Hutzel. Yes. If, yeah. they couldn't, if they couldn't have gotten um, uh, Allison Janney, then I think Jan Hooks would have been really I think, funny. I think a, a wildly quotable film that's been made since this is Bridesmaids, which is another female ensemble. Oh, yeah. Film. Yep. Yep. And what, female writers. Yeah. What is it, do you think, that, but why do you think? they aren't made more if if this were a male driven oh of course thing it would be making much more money i think because these comedies are smart i think you have to listen and i think what happens is the studios get nervous about that and i think it's easier and i'm i'm generalizing so please forgive me i think it's easier for them to be sold on will ferrell like drunk mm-hmm. running down the street naked because you don't have to think, you don't have to listen. It's all visual gags. And I think they get nervous about anything that's too smart for their audiences. But then every once in a while, somebody will come along with power, like a Kristen Wiig, um, or uh, like on in Barb and Star and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that will be able to push it over. And then I think what I, I'm always surprised with studios is like you're seeing that, the, that audiences will listen. Like audiences will come out. Yeah. Aud- audiences are smart. Aud- you know, don't talk down to the audiences. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like a lot of these comedies veer into a very intelligent. You, I'm going to be honest with you. You can watch a Will Ferrell movie with the sound off mm-hmm. and still laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot, do, you cannot do that with Bridesmaids. No, you cannot right. do that with Drop Dead Gorgeous. He's very... Yeah, you're right. Like Charlie, Chaplin. and he's and he's very talented. Will Ferrell. That's not that's not at all a knock on him, at all. I'm just saying that I think his style of comedy. You don't really need to. There's a physicality to it yeah. that people gravitate mm-hmm. towards. Hundred percent. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do I, wonder. And the same with like the Judd Apatow movies and the oh god, what was it? The Hangover. Oh yeah. Like those. Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder if um this film ran late nights on anything and that's when like college kids started picking it up. I remember that it, at least from my memory, I remember it being on Comedy Central a lot. I remember mm. it being on TBS a lot. Right. And so I feel that's where people got exposed to it and while well, they were getting exposed to it then when they were we were in the reality TV show craze, right? We, yeah. and so then I think people felt, oh, this is no, it's normal to follow people around, yeah, and document their mundane lives because mm-hmm. we hadn't had that there when this came out in 1999. I, I don't think we had Survivor, I don't think we had any of those shows, right? So we there was no such thing as reality TV, and mm-hmm. that's really what this is. You know, like you said, it's it's the movie is eminently quotable. Mm-hmm. There is not a scene that goes by where you cannot pull at least one quote out of it. Yeah. Um. And for but for the gay community, but for the yeah. gay community, because we're the ones who gravitated towards it, I think more than anybody, and it's because we have taste. I will say, <laughs> I did go to a screening of it at Chelsea Classics, hosted uh-huh. by Hedda Lettuce. Oh, fun. Uh, on at you know uh, at Chelsea Cinemas. So it was a crowd of gay people hooting and hollering and saying the lines along with it. It was a queer experience. We, we love these women. Yeah. And we, and you know, we've said this before in the podcast and we'll say it again. We love an underdog, mm-hmm. which is what we see here with Amber Atkins. Yeah. Um, we also love strong women. Mm-hmm. And we get and we get three strong women in this. Yes, uh, it's Ellen Bark and Allison Janney and Kirstie Alley. Yeah, you know these are women that will stop at nothing to get what they want, and they don't need a man 
to, to and, help them. And at the very end, we see Kirsten Dunst have her dream come true it, as she's being shot at. So and dark. with that 1999 American Beauty hair. Oh, remember yes. that newscaster hair that everybody had because Annette Benning had it? Oh, God. Oh, that's so funny. The newscaster. <laughs> yeah, that Bob. Um, all she wants, to, like Amber Atkins' only dream in life is to become Diane Sawyer. And that's why she's going through the pageant. Uh, like Diane Sawyer did. Uh, she wants to be Diane Sawyer. And Kirstie Alley is just on a shooting rampage on top of like a Bob's Big Boy or whatever it is. It's not even. It's like and a, that's also something now that people would have. I, I just, uh -huh. I, there's something I find so fascinating that of all the things that people criticize, that there's something about this movie that it gets a free pass. Mm -hmm. And I have, I have absolutely zero problem with that. Yeah. But there's but so, it, there's something in there's something about this movie that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. You should get a gaggle of your gays together, or gay adjacents together, and watch this film uh, with them because this is a, a shared experience. So, folks, I'm so happy that we got to cover this today. Please let us know your thoughts. What are some of your favorite quotes? Yeah, um, we want to know every quote you love. In and, fact. Send us voice memos. Oh, we love a voice memo. Come on. We, we do love a voice memo. Right? Um, and if you have memories of seeing this in the film uh, or in the theaters, let us know. And if you're like uh, Robbie and you see Allison Janney, maybe she'll do a quote for you. Oh, Jesus. Best day of my goddamn life. She seems like a cool person. She's, she is a cool bitch, right? Like, she's right? somebody who would hang. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, Hand me the edible. Let's go. Oh, absolutely. Oh, God, do I love her. Okay, so uh, that's uh, that's Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is mm -hmm. Drop Dead Funny. Uh, well, Rob, tell, tell everybody how they can uh, support Gay Card Revoked. You can support Gay Card Revoked by sending a Whaley cake from Carvel to Robert Schneider. Whaley. James it's a James sorry it's a James Whale cake because I'm a huge fan of gods and monsters <laughs> that's, a, that's a PBS joke for you no oh. you can you can head on over to our patreon um, and go in and look up gay card revoked um, please support us that we have different levels you can be an ally you can be a bottom you can be a verse you can be a top yep. um, and all of them get different perks and ain't that the truth um, dreams but we love doing this and we're so proud of what we're doing and we're so mm -hmm. proud that we're able to put all of these wonderful icons and we're back baby and we're back and uh and and we'll be coming back to you more and more in fact mm -hmm. our next episode yeah, i'm tell. i'm very excited about because this book slash documentary mm -hmm. was so informative to me when i was a young boy in high school and i remember checking it out of the library so many times in secret because I was like, ooh, I don't want anyone to know what I'm doing. Um, was the librarian Ludifisk lady? It was. <laughs> it was. Um, and folks, we are looking at a seminal book mm -hmm. uh, slash even more in, uh, iconic documentary. And it's Vito Russo's The Celluloid Closet, which was a book first. Um, and then sadly, he passed away of AIDS and did not live to see the documentary get made. And the documentary is absolutely fabulous. Um, I will talk a lot about the book. Robbie will talk a lot about the actual documentary itself. You can watch the documentary. I believe it's available on Criterion. But of course, you can click the link in the show description and it can take you right there and you can watch the documentary. And if you can get your hands on a copy of the book, I encourage you to do so because it's the first time someone is actually writing down all of the examples of queer representation in cinema, mm -hmm. pre-code, um, how, how we were looked at uh, in the 60s and 70s in, in film. And it's such an important piece of our history. In the meantime, follow us uh, at G Revoked on all platforms. Uh, like, rate, subscribe. Tell your friends about our pod. P tell your friends about our pod. And we'll see you all in Mount Rose. Beautiful Montrose, Minnesota. Pretty soon. What's the, what's the name of the pulled pork product? I love pulled pork. What is uh, it? Uh, St. Paul pork product. I grew up next to these slaughterhouses. <laughs> I love it so much. I work there now. I'm obsessed. 
Hi, I'm Ray Hebel. And I'm Rob Schneider. And on September 7th, we will be launching our new podcast, This Was a Thing, a podcast that will dive deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. Now, you might know Ray from the most popular girls in school and True TV's Dr. Havoc's Diary. And you might know Rob from his other podcasts, Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends, and Gay Card Revoked. But we know each other from a chance meeting at Sandals Resort in 2002. In between Mai Tais and Beach Cornhole, we discovered we had an affinity for crazy, culturally insignificant things from the past. The things that people wanted to forget, we wanted to remember. That's right, Rob. Every Tuesday, we are going to serve you a delicious heaping helping of nostalgia with a side of sass and guac. But the guac will cost you extra. You see, we have searched, scoured, and sought out the greatest cultural happenings from the past few centuries, and we want to share what we learned with you. We will cover movies. Who's your, who's your favorite Batman villain? I'd say George Clooney's Batnips are probably my favorite Batman villain. Television. Was America ready to see Mike Brady dancing? Broadway. <laughs> yes, they actually did make a musical of Stephen King's Carrie, and yes, there was a song where the cast actually chanted, Kill the Pig. Oh, wow. Music. Now, why would the Beach Boys' Mike Love say, don't fuck with the formula? True crime. So apparently Lana Turner confessed to her hairdresser that she killed Johnny Stompanato and that her daughter took the rep. Can you imagine being that hairdresser? Excuse me, Miss Sweater Girl, what did you say to me? We can set that permanent wave later, Mary. The only thing I want to be a witness to are those split ends. Fashion. Suddenly, because of Davy Crockett, raccoon tail soared from 25 cents a pound to $8 a pound. I can't afford that. Personalities. So, yes, apparently there is a rich little sex tape. Uh, what do you think is on that rich little sex tape? Uh, if Jimmy Stewart was going to go down on you, it, it might sound a little something like this. Toys. The Cabbage Patch Riots of 1983 is unlike anything we have ever seen. Politics. Now get this, when William Henry Harrison died, nobody knew if John Tyler was actually the president. What? Tech! Like, the person I probably connected <laughs> with the most during high school was MySpace Tom, so I get it. <laughs> Trends! <laughs> yes, I am a bald man, and yes, I will explain how Rachel Green got her sun-kissed highlights, so please stop laughing at me. You just want sun-kissed. So join us on Tuesday, September 7th, when we launch the first season of This Was a Thing, available anywhere you get your podcast. And to get a jump start on all the nostalgic things we will be covering, head over to our Twitter and Instagram at This Was a Thing Pod or our Facebook at This Was a Thing Podcast and follow us. This Was a Thing, September 7th. Check us out. Check you out. Oh!